All right, well, how's everybody doing this morning? How many of y'all were inspired by our guest, the Mission of Hope, um, the stuff that's going on out there in Eastern Kentucky? Will you guys give him another hand for his uh, ministry and calling? Um, always asking the question, if your church disappeared, would anyone notice? Mission of Hope disappeared, would anyone notice? Well, I think we have the answer to that. Um, the people out there in Appalachia, where my family originates from, uh, I've got, a, got a, a connection to that area. And uh, the ministry that goes on there, it's, it's fantastic. So thank you so much for, for answering the call to serve the least of these and people that are neglected. Uh, thank you so much, and <clears throat> I'm so glad that we're able to partner with you uh, earlier for beginning of school and hopefully at Christmas time as well. We'll be in prayer for that. Thank you. Y'all, we're in a series called 40 Days of Faith, and we're actually finishing it up next week. This is our last, uh, last time I'm actually going to be preaching. This is our last topic. Next week is our celebration Sunday. We're going to hear testimonies from you all about what God is doing in your life as a result of what we talked about this past series. Uh, we've asked community group leaders if there are people that have really been moved or made big decisions or, or uh, anything like that to let us know. We, we need about seven testimonies for next week. We've got several. We need, we need a few more. So if the Lord has moved you during this series on faith, we'd like to hear about it so that your story can encourage the church. Stories of what God is doing in your life encourages the church. I don't know if you know that or not, but we're looking for those. So come see me uh, after church if, if, if you'd like to share next Sunday. <clears throat> All right, so we're finishing up this series with the very last one, uh, Faith Unto Death. We've talked about, we, we hit faith from all angles. We've talked about faith when you have a past, faith in the face of rejection, faith when the path doesn't make sense, faith at the, the face of a huge cost, faith when the odds are against you. And today we're talking about faith unto death. And the main thing today is this, that faith begins with the end in mind. Everybody say that. Faith begins with the end in mind, okay? We have to begin where, with the end in mind, there was a community where it hadn't rained for a long time. It was a farming community, and everybody was worried. So a local pastor called everybody and said, hey, we're going to go out in the middle of this field, and we're going to pray that God will bring rain. And the word spread like wildfire through the community, and, and, he, and there's a huge crowd that showed up to pray in the middle of this field. And the pastor stands up and says, hey, do you all believe in the power of prayer? They go, yes, we do. Do you believe that God will answer our prayer for rain? They say, yes, we do. And he said, brothers and sisters, where are your umbrellas? See, we begin with the end in mind. If we were truly, if those truly faithful people, the end was the rain. So they would, they would look, okay, God is going to answer our prayer. He is going to provide rain. Therefore, I must make decisions in the meantime to, uh, to, to get me there. And so we have to begin with the end in mind. John chapter 21, verse 18 through 19. This is what Jesus said to the apostle Peter. Uh, he said this, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will lead you, dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. 
Then he said to him, follow me. Okay, uh, there's a really neat passage, phrase in there that says this. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Did you know that you can glorify God not only with your life, but also with your death? That's exactly what he's saying here. As Jesus was commissioning his disciples going all the world, he gave Peter a special gift. He told Peter how he would go out. He told Peter the end. He showed Peter how he was going to exit this life. What he was going to do is a huge gift. Gave Peter a picture of his final destination, how he would go out. He did this for a very specific reason. People would begin with the end in mind, take very few wrong turns in life. If you have a destination, that a goal at the end of your life, how you want to go, and, and you're able to chart your path, you're going to take very few wrong turns in life. The problem is with us, the reason we take wrong turns in life, the reason things go badly for us a lot of times is because we aren't thinking about the end. We're not thinking about how we want to finish. Um, You know, if you're planning a vacation, you guys, the first thing you do is you pick your destination. You want to go to Florida, you got to go, you you pick your destination, and then you pick your path that will get you there. The same is true in life, says this. Uh, uh, We want to know why there's a drug epidemic, you guys. You want to know why there is? People say, well, drugs are so available. No, that's not why. It's because people have not figured out their destination yet. And they're just kind of meandering through. Whatever, whatever, comes, uh, whatever comes into life, you go do it. Because you don't have a purpose, don't have a vision, don't have a destination that you're going towards. That's why. You want to know why people are just stuck, stagnant, no vision, uh, no real gains in life. Because they mo- neglected the most important question in life. How do I want to go out? How do I want it to end? All right, many will ask people, ask a question, what do you want said at your funeral? That's a good question. As a pastor, I do funerals, and I I have with coming up with what to say about a person. And what I say about the person, a lot of times, is the path they walked to get there. You heard about, uh, if you want things said at your, at your funeral, if you want those things said at your funeral, well, you've got to live them day to day. There were two charlatan brothers that ran a shady business for years, and one of them died. And the living brother went up to the pastor and said, Pastor, I'll give you a million dollars if at, you, at my brother's funeral you say that he was a saint. And the pastor said, man, not long and hard. Well, he agreed. He would do it. And as he started the eulogy, he said, this man was a known cheat, a scoundrel, a liar. He embezzled, he cheated his customers, he ch- shortchanged his employees, he never went to church. He had a profane and vulgar mouth and had a temper that made Attila the Hun look like Mother Teresa. And the crowd sat in stunned silence, and the pastor said, but compared to his brother over here, he was a saint. <laughs> you know, so is, is that what we want? said at our funeral, we have to get a picture in mind of what we, how we want to go out. There was, a, there was some research that came out just this week about Christianity in America declining. Well, every, I'm sure the people have heard that. Well, let me tell you what is actually declining. True biblical Christianity is going nowhere. In fact, true biblical conservative uh, theology where the Bible is lifted up and Jesus is the Son of God, that's actually growing. 
What's disappearing is nominal Christianity, people who are Christian in name only, people who have no intention of ever submitting to Jesus Christ, never making a disciple, never going on a mission trip, never doing anything that Jesus tells us to do. But they are part of a church because it gives them or social benefit, whatever. Um, that's, those are the people that are leaving. And I, I hate to say this, but good riddance. Nominal Christianity has been a weight, an anchor around the body of Christ that has stopped us and ceased us from doing our mission. And as God empties the people who have no desire to ever follow Jesus Christ from the pews, it relieves us with people that are on focus and committed and mission-minded. That's what's going on. But I'm, I'm telling you, there are people who start the Christian life, who start it off, but they don't ever intend on finishing it. They start it real well. They get real fired up about, about being baptized, real fired up about joining church, and then they just kind of fade away. That's because they did not have the end in mind. So I want to ask you all, do you plan on finishing strong? Will you continue in faith when the path doesn't make sense, when in the face of a huge cost, when, when, when maybe you have to put your life on the line, do you plan on finishing strong? My prayer is that for all of you, yes, you will, that you can be counted on. But in order to do that, we have to do the second thing. We have to decide in advance that you will make no agreements with evil. If we're going to stay faithful unto death to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you have to decide in advance that you will make no agreements with evil. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love the story of this because you talk about a minority. They, they are able to do this. Check this out. Daniel 3, 1 through 6. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 60 cubits wide. And I feel like Bill Cosby uh, uh, with Noah. What's a cubit? I don't know. But it's tall. All right. And set up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials uh, to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So all the people uh, uh, assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. I don't know about you all, but being thrown into a blazing furnace isn't how I really want to end my day. That's not a good thing. But that's what he's, there, he's threatening them to do. Well, there are three Hebrew Israelites that, uh, that are in exile in the land. Their name are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they have a problem. They are followers of God, the one true God. And their faith tells them, we do not worship. We do not give worship to anything or anyone except God. That's it. And that's just the way it is. We will not give worship to something lesser than God. And so uh, in, in verse 16 through 18, they, they basically don't do it. And verse 16 through 18, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, are in front of the king. The king's found out that there are three people that don't, they won't do what he says. Uh, like, like most kings on a power trip, he can't stand any dissension. So he calls them in and reams them out and says, listen, I have the power to destroy you. I have the power to throw you into a fire if you don't do this. And they say this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love this. Y'all need to underline this in your Bible, highlight it. King Nebuchadnezzar. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. 
In other words, they are looking at the king and saying, listen, we have nothing to say to you. We're not even going to try to defend ourselves. We're not going to try to argue whether or not what you did is wrong. We're not going to do that. We have already pre-decided in our minds, in our hearts, we will not do what you want us to do. We've already pre-decided. We're not making the decision now. And so we're not even going to try to defend ourselves. You've got all the power, king. You've got it all. You can do whatever you want to us. We will not. We're not going to defend ourselves. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, look what they say. The God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. He said, listen, this image is a false God. We serve the real God. We serve the true God. And if you throw us in there, he can save us. If he wants to, he can save us. He may not. He's got his ways. He's got his will. He's got, he, may, he may save us. He may not. But listen, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, listen, king. Even if he does not save us, we will not bow down and worship the image of gold. I love that. See, we see something about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this situation that we don't see a lot in American Christians. A lot of us say, listen, God, you get me out of this and I'll follow you. He said, no, no, no. God may save us, may not. He's king. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. If he wants us to live longer in this world, fantastic. If he wants to take us, even better. But even whatever he does, if he decides to save us, if he decides not to, we will make no agreements with you, king. We will make no compromise. We will make no agreements to do what you want us to do. We won't do it. We've pre-decided in advance. You can do what you want, king. You have all the power. You can threaten. You can bribe. You can throw us in the furnace. You can take us three amigos, turn us into the three taquitos. You can do what you want, but we will not. We will not serve your gods or bow down and worship. We will make no agreements with evil. And I love it. They don't consider, they don't get together and say, well, you know, I wonder what God meant. Maybe if we studied in the original Hebrew, I wonder if the original language tells us, well, worship, serve him only unless. You know, maybe we could just live to fight another day. Let's bow down and worship, and then let's repent, and then let's, you know, because if we're dead, we can't bring anyone to, to Christ at all, right? So maybe we just need to let this one slide. They didn't do that, did they? I said, no. We will make no agreements with evil because we're going to be faithful unto death. And that's what we have to do, people. We have to make no agreements with evil. They would rather die holding on to their faith than live in some compromised, lukewarm, toothless version of their faith. The problem is we've been making agreements with evil, and, it's, and, and, and that's, what, that's where we find ourselves. I read this, and it always inspires me. You look back over the last 40, 50 years of American history, We've made agreement after agreement after agreement with evil. It started when Madeline Murray O'Hare complained that she didn't want prayer in her schools, and we said, okay. Then someone said, you better not read the Bible in school, the Bible that says, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, love your neighbors yourself. And we said, okay. Then Dr. Benjamin Spock said we shouldn't spank our children when they misbehave because their little personalities could be warped, and we might damage their fragile self-esteem, and we said, Okay. 
And someone said, teachers and principals better not discipline our children when they misbehave or they could sue. And the school said, okay. And someone said, let our daughters get abortions that they want without letting the parents know. And we said, okay. And someone said, let's give our sons all the condoms they want so they can have all the fun they want without any consequence whatsoever. And we said, okay. And someone said, let's marginalize marriage and ridicule it because it's not a necessary part of society. And we said, okay. And someone said, let's put phones and iPads and computers in the hands of our children so that mass media would develop their sense of right and wrong instead of the Bible. And we said, okay. And someone said, going to church isn't necessary for being a Christian. I can believe and even do my own thing at home and still be a Christian. And we said, okay. And we stayed home. And now we're asking ourselves, why do our children have no conscience, no faith? Why don't they know right from wrong? Why are, we, uh, con- why are we, they consumed with anxiety and depression, committing suicide at a record rate? Why is the family in tatters and a drug epidemic rocking our nation? I think that if we thought long and hard enough, we would understand why we have made agreements with evil. We've said, okay. And look what it's gotten us. Make no agreements with evil. Evil has no place in the house of the Lord. Evil has no place in the home of the Christian, in the life of the Christian. Make no agreements. And one thing that we must realize, not only is is, is we have to begin with the end in mind, we make no agreements, but third, we have to realize that the way we die is our final sermon to the world. How our death is our final sermon. I don't know if you know this or not, but the death rate is 100%. You live long enough, death rate's 100%. Every one of us is going to face death. Every one of us is going to have one final sermon to give to this world the way we die. I was reading an account of the Battle of Iwo Jima in World War II. Fascinating stuff. More Medal of Honor, uh, 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 more medals of honor were given out at Iwo Jima than any other battle in World War II. And uh, I read this, as rainy morning wore into the afternoon, the fighting bogged down, the Marines continued to take casualties on Iwo Jima. Often it was the corpsmen, the medics, that, uh, that, that died as they tried to preserve life. William Hoops of Chattanooga was crouching beside a medic, his last name was Kelly, put his head above a protective ridge and placed the binoculars to his eyes, trying to spot a sniper that was peppering the area. In the instant... In that instant, the sniper shot him through the Adam's apple. Hoops, the pharmacist made himself, struggled frantically to save his friend. I took the forceps, he said, and reached into the neck to grasp the artery to pinch it off. Hoops recalled, his blood was spurting. He had no speech, but his eyes were on me, watching me the whole time. He knew I was trying to save his life. I tried everything in the world. Couldn't do it. Um, the blood was so slippery, I couldn't get the artery. I was trying so hard. And all the while, he looked at me. He looked directly into my face. And the last thing he did as the blood first became less and less was to pat me on the arm as if to say, it's all right. And then he died. And as I read that, I realized I wanted to be both Hoops and Kelly. I wanted to be able to say to the suffering and the perishing people, I did everything in the world. I was trying so hard. And I want to be able to say to those around me, when I die, it's all right to live as Christ. 
To die is gain. In those moments, in that moment right there, I want to be both of those guys. And I want you all to be able to say at the end of your life, to make a final sermon to this world about the goodness and the greatness of Jesus Christ, how you stayed true to the end, how you fought the good fight, you kept the faith, you finished the race. Faith unto death. People, the only way we will be able do that. The only way we will be able to make a huge final sermon to the world about the goodness of Jesus Christ is if we begin with the end in mind today. If we make some decisions on what we believe and who we are and what we think is important. That's the only way we stay faithful to the end. So here's a question. I'm going to invite the band to come on back up. Here's the question. People of Catalyst Christian Church, Are you going to stay faithful unto death? When you go out of this world, the Lord does not return to take you. If you you face death, what will be your final sermon to this world? My prayer as your pastor is that the people standing around you, the people around you will know about the goodness, the greatness of Jesus Christ because of your final sermon, because of the way you die. And when I have to do your funeral, that I can point to the road that you walked that led you straight to the cross, the road that you walked to, to, to uh, your eternal life in heaven, that, that is being your goal. The decisions you made, the things you prioritized, the way you lived, the way you loved, the things that you believed to be important, and the things you gave are all leading up to that. This glorious goal of finishing strong, of finishing faith unto death. Faith begins with the end in mind. So the challenge this week, as you go to your community groups, and as you see the last part of the, of the devotional books that we've given you, is how do I want to end? How do I want it all to end? What is my final destination? Ask yourself that question. And then charge the rest of your life that will ensure that you make faith unto death. I hope, I hope that all of you standing there at that finish line, eternal life is our goal. Not distracted, not swayed, not compromised at all in this thing we call life. Let me pray for you.